This week's podcast brought to you by Holding and Hovering. The other day during quarantine here, um, the house was a little too quiet, the kids, and suddenly I heard a loud banging, crashing, thrashing around, screaming, uh, a fight going on in, in another room. And I was, honestly, I was sitting at a table doing a puzzle and I was just too tired to get up to investigate. And then it went quiet again. And I heard some breathing and some groaning. And then I, I just heard uh, our nine-year-old daughter say to our 11-year-old son, I'm not tapping out. <laughs> <laughs> has no pain no gain and we found that to be fact the road might twist and turn a bit but we all arrive intact mr mom and mrs dad having each other's back day by day just to keep it sane who's the ball and who's the chain it's hard to tell right here on happiness lane well good morning we're recording this a day late and a dollar short well, probably more than a dollar short at this point if you've checked the stock market, which we try not to do. And um, yeah, so I hope everybody's doing relatively well. Exactly. And in the new, in our new normal, our new world, although this for us is normal. This recording. Not normal. Um, no, I'm saying what we're doing this very oh. second is normal in terms of sitting in the basement more than six feet apart and in having fact, a conversation. And in fact, it's what other people are doing now. The network's many of those cable hosts are recording from their own basements and all the late night shows are from people's homes. The, um, I don't know if you're this way, but especially on uh, the shows that are on ESPN, whether it's get up in the morning or any of those shows and, and they've got their analysts from their homes and many of them are in front of their bookshelves. And I don't pay attention at all to what the analyst is saying. I'm not even looking at them. I'm just looking at their bookshelves, not only to see what books are on there, but to see what pictures are framed or anything else. Like I find that to be kind of a pleasant distraction. What is this person deemed um, to be the thing that they want behind them? The most important thing while they're talking on TV. And actually a couple weeks ago, Seth Greenberg was on there um, talking, you know, about the end of the college basketball season or whatever. And I texted him because his bookshelf was a mess. And I said, man, you're on TV. Can't you at least tidy up your bookshelf? So the next time he was on, indeed, it was tidied up. But uh, but if you were going to be broadcasting where people could actually see you, which, you know, what which bookshelf would you be in front of? And would you even care what was behind you? Would you get pay any, any attention to what was behind you? Well, you act like this is a hypothetical. We've done interviews in our house with book they almost always choose the bookshelves as the backdrop and um, they meaning the people whoever's doing yeah, the sure. shooting and, of and it yeah have we ever rearranged the bookshelves i am uh, i'm secure enough to not worry about whatever is on the bookshelf behind me i if if it's there chances are i've either read it bought it it was sent to me by somebody who wrote it or um i'm otherwise unashamed of it so right well i i, but I, I am shallow enough that i judge other people by their bookshelves silently of course i had to do an interview just the other day for something that they're going to be doing on the sec network and i just plopped down in our basement in front of one of our bookshelves i didn't really pay much attention to what i was sitting in front of and then 
um, when I came on camera, you know, through my computer, it was a wider shot than I had thought it was going to be. And so one of the bookshelves that you can see behind us is where we keep some of your extra copies of books. So you just see like two shelves just of Caddy Was a Reindeer and Pint Man and oh. some of your other books. So at least it was a good... Uh, Russian basement remainder bin. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Well, um, Conan O'Brien has started doing his show from his house, and he has his guitars mounted on the wall behind him. Um, Stephen Colbert is doing a show from home, and he looks like he's in some kind of a home office or something. Um, John Oliver has just a white backdrop, but clearly being done from his home. And um, it's interesting, the stage set, that because it's all a stage set. I mean, you're, you're right. at your house, when somebody comes over, we have to tidy up. We're, we're actually doing tonight for the first time and probably the last time a virtual happy hour. You've read about these things. At least I've read about these things. Right. Thought they were kind of ridiculous. And then uh, one of my relatives set up a Zoom. Is it Zoom? Zoom, yeah. Zoom. Well, uh, you only thought it was ridiculous because you hadn't been invited to one yet. Well, I'm excited course. for tonight. Well, I think it's going to be it, it's going to be fun. No, no, it's no, going to no. be a chance to connect with your family and also like Min- talk to other grown-ups. Minnesota, other than just walking our dog or something. Minnesota, Connecticut, and Florida. So they set a 6 p.m. time so that the Minnesota people could make a concession to the East Coast people. So five Central, six Eastern. Uh, at your regular time on the West Coast. So I don't think anybody in the West Coast is involved. Nobody right. in the mountain time zone, sadly. But, uh, yeah, so uh, you can only talk one person at a time on these things, right? I, no, I think you can have multiple people talking. We'll see. It's it's funny because our kids have been doing Zoom um, for, for school, so they know it better than we do. And um, just the other day to hear our nine-year-old say, uh, I have to go to my Zoom meeting at nine o'clock or whatever it was. I was just like, this is unbelievable. Every kid is a middle manager now at an insurance company. Yeah. And you wonder if it's just going to make them start talking uh, like a middle manager. But, you know, you talk about the the late night shows or people doing interviews. It's it's not as striking to me. Like if you're watching um, a news channel to see somebody talking from their remote location or even ESPN or whatever. What's really striking, though, is the late night shows because you're used to them being in front of a live audience and to have the laughter and the interaction. And when you don't have that, it's it's really, really different. You know, you don't have a live audience in news shows or sports shows or whatever. So that's not that different to me. But when you when you last night, whichever one we had on, I think it was Colbert and uh, and there was no laughter and no interaction. It was really, really different. And, you know, Johnny Carson for 30 years did his Tonight Show from studio in Burbank, NBC Burbank, in a, in a steeply uh, slanted bleachers. I think there were 400 seats or so. And the laughter was, the uh, acoustics were so good in that studio that Bob Hope would always tape his specials in that studio. And it would irritate Johnny that because he would, he would uh, kind of take over the studio whenever he wanted for his specials and but the the laughter sounded so good in that studio and they say I've read or heard that that uh, Hope would sometimes like if he would be doing his monologue on an aircraft carrier he would salt the uh, sweeten the uh, the laughter with laughter recorded in that studio one I think was called in Burbank to the point that (laughs) some have said you can hear Ed saying like "Hi-oh" stuff <laughs> in the background, or Ed's laugh. 
in the so background he, he of Bob Hope specials. Using, he wasn't even using the laughter from one of his appearances uh, in that uh, this, place. This he is was just using a story that a I've heard show. and, and, and uh, want to believe. But uh, but it tells you how much that kind of uh, laughter is is you know contagious. Not not is a, probably a bad word to use at this time, but. But, it, you know, that's why they use laugh tracks on sitcoms, obviously, right. is to cue you to laugh. If only we had a laugh track right. on our show. <laughs> I'm sure uh, Denny can figure, Denny will probably sweeten that, that out. with uh, some Hios and some um, the, uh, Ed McMahon. The only thing I, I do um, that has any kind of an interactive portion to it is some years at the WNBA draft when um, there would be an audience there. I can think specifically of a couple years we did at Mohegan um, Sun. Uh, arena and there would be a couple hundred people there and they could hear us you know all of the everything that we were saying during the draft would be piped out so that they could hear us and so there would be some reaction to it and um and it's so much better than when we just do a studio show and it's just you know a couple people talking or even worse there's a couple years one year we, i don't remember which place we were in in for the draft in new york but even though there were people there, but they couldn't hear us. And there was even a DJ playing. So in the background, you just hear like this music playing, people ignoring us as we're like right there up on our set talking about people who have just been drafted. But it is it's a lot of fun when there's some sort of interactive component. But well, when it. you do public speaking, you speak at a dinner and if people are, you know, if it's going well it's or if it's not going well and, and whether it's going well or not often doesn't have anything to do with what you're saying because you're saying the same thing in at this dinner that you said at a dinner three weeks earlier and it killed at one place and it dies at another place and um it entirely has to do with i mean i spoke in indianapolis once at a convention and 500 people were let into this hotel ballroom after a morning full of meetings and they sat down and they just started eating as i was speaking and you just hear forks clinking and plates and talking and and of course that's what people are going to do when they've just been let out of four hours of meetings and are now hungry the no, the number one thing though that determines how good kind of an audience can be when you're speaking at a dinner like that is whether or not there was an open bar beforehand if there's an open bar beforehand and people have had an hour where they're milling about drinking whatever they're drinking then it's uh they're going to be a good audience and receptive to whatever stories you're telling in the dinner. The, the worst one is the one you just described where people in a bunch of meetings are sitting down and they're eating and you're supposed to be up there telling stories when they have no interest in listening to anybody. And th- that'll be an interesting uh, thing tonight in virtual happy hour to see if virtual happy hour where there's no there's no music, there's no uh, you know buzz from strangers around the around the there, so-called there bar. will be music it'll just be a matter of we'll have to figure out i bet your brother tom will probably be the one who's the dj he'll probably have some music off in the background if not just sitting down with his guitar singing himself who knows well anyway i i i promise to be virtually happy <laughs> during that <laughs> what are we going to do hour. with our non-virtual children during our virtual they're going, happy to, they're, hour. Going, they're going to want to see if they can see their cousins on of the virtual happy they hour they so should I, have I, their own uh happy hour zoom happy hour where it's just the kids you know saying whatever they say <laughs> they, they know how to work it better than we do at this point and and i'm curious for those listeners who who are healthy um who are working from home who aren't completely preoccupied by all the, by all of the other crises happening with employment and every everything else at this time how um 
they're passing their time. I, it, it feels like everybody I've talked to, texted with, uh, it almost feels like jury duty. You're required to watch Tiger King on Netflix. I've avoided doing that. I have um, no interest in watching Tiger King, none. Well, as a friend of mine uh, said, I didn't enjoy a minute of that, and yet I couldn't stop watching. So do you think you're going to end up putting it on just to no, no, give no, it a chance? Because no. I don't I, think I will. I, I'm not sure if a friend of mine said that or if that's a review that I read of our podcast on, on <laughs> iTunes. But, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, things we're, we're, we continue to do puzzles, um, and I'll get to that in a minute. But, but one thing you've done, and I'm not sure the ethics of it, the morality of it, the, the environmental or, or um, pandemic propriety of it, but you ordered something off of uh, an internet retailer, I assume, and you, you, to get out of the house and occupy yourself, you were presumably going to do some gardening, I'm guessing. Is this? This is what happened. Is this, was we this were what had, you had in mind? Th- we were outside the other day, and it was a beautiful day. And I, I saw that some stuff, like there's some weeds that needed to get yanked out and there's just some things that needed to be done. And so I went to, into the garage, into the, the cabinet where I always put my gardening gloves and I have about two or three pairs of them. I always put them there when I'm done with them and I opened up that cabinet and there were no gardening gloves. And um, I don't know who used them last. I know it wasn't me because I would have put them back where they go. But someone used them and didn't return them, and I couldn't find them anywhere. And as I can do when I'm annoyed like that, I went in and I I went on to Amazon and purchased two pairs of gardening gloves. Now, now, now was that a a good use of of trucks and delivery people? I know we want to keep people, as many people employed as possible during this pandemic. I I do want to be outside as the weather gets nicer, and we're going to be housebound for the next few weeks we assume at least and so yeah gardening it it was going to be a good thing I I got two pairs I was going to have one of the kids help me so anyway so Rebecca tell the listeners did you receive your two pair of gardening gloves (laughs) well I must have done something wrong (laughs) because apparently when I ordered one pair of gardening gloves I was actually ordering one set of 10 pairs of gardening gloves and so when I ordered two pairs of gardening gloves. What arrived at our door? What arrived at our door was in a box were two packages. One package had 10 pair of gardening gloves. The other package had 10 pair of gardening gloves. So we we had delivered. 20 pairs of gardening gloves. 20 pair of gardening gloves. And so I'm still trying to figure it out because it was like $20. So how how is a dollar for a pair, for each pair of gardening gloves? So anyway, obviously I'm going to return one of the 10 pack. Can gardening gloves be used as personal protective equipment? Well, that's what we were wondering too. So do we just leave one, we can leave a pair in each of the cars for when we pump gas or um, do a variety of other things. I don't know. Obviously I'm going to send one of the, one of the 10 pack of gloves back. I probably will keep the other one because for the next time you borrow my gloves and don't don't, put them away. Don't send it back. Don't put them on another truck to to some fulfillment center to be shipped somewhere else. Uh, don't worry. I will take care okay. of the problem. But yes, I accidentally ordered 20 pairs of gardening gloves. And um, is it 20 pairs or 20 pair? Did you did you look and see that you had accidentally ordered that many or did they just deliver that many? No, I, I accidentally ordered that many. And when I thought I was purchasing a pair of gardening gloves, I was actually purchasing a 10-pack. Well, I found, I found a 50-pack of 
probably now a 48 pack of non N95 masks. Things, you know, the, the kind of cheap hospital masks that are in short supply, like everything else. I used to seven, eight years ago now, I wore them to mow the lawn. Mm-hmm. During I remember one season. time you wore them out on a run <laughs> during allergy season. I mean, it, it, it didn't really help much. No, that's but why it looked I stopped good. Mowing the lawn and it, it didn't look good either. And it frightened the neighbors. But I texted a friend of ours who works at a hospital in Connecticut, and he said, absolutely, bring them by and I'll bring them in. So maybe gardening gloves are the next uh, bit of PPE that somebody can use. Well, you were asking earlier, you know, what people are doing to with this time that they have. And I, I can tell you a couple things they're doing just based on what is um, no longer for sale places. One of them is people are blowing their nose because there's you can't find Kleenex anywhere. People are blowing their noses. They're blowing their noses. They're How many noses using does, does their this toilet paper. Have? But the other thing, because I, when I was looking on Amazon the other day, the other thing that you cannot find on Amazon are we talked last week about the Ravensburger uh, puzzles that we love so much. Mm-hmm. Can't find one on. Um, you can't find one on Amazon. You can find like. Then I'm being serious about this. Eighteen thousand piece puzzles for a couple hundred dollars, but you can't find the thousand piece Ravensburger 18,000 piece puzzle are you kidding no I'm not kidding I uh what surface area is required to do an 18,000 piece puzzle I don't know actually I'm wrong about that it's not an 18,000 piece puzzle it's a 40,320 piece jigsaw puzzle it's the world's largest Mickey puzzle it is a Ravensburger for 414 dollars yep 40,000 320-piece jigsaw puzzle. Rebecca ordered a 200-piece jigsaw puzzle and got a 40,000-piece jigsaw puzzle. (laughs) Yeah, if only that were the case. Well, we've we've continued. We just cracked open another puzzle this morning. We completed uh, one. Sort of. What do you mean? Oh, there's a piece missing. That's right. There's a piece missing. Have we completed a single puzzle? Opened it up. Yes. Did the puzzle, and there was a piece missing. Now, I, I always suspect our dog having eaten it that's there's a there's I, that's the only explanation because of course pieces fall on the floor sometimes when you're doing the puzzle and w- when we first completed the puzzle there were two pieces missing and then our our 9-year-old got on the floor and scoured all under the table and she was able to find one of the pieces the other one and then I, is gone i i suggest we feed like a 500 piece puzzle to our dog and then a couple of days later check the yard and see if it is fully <laughs> assembled where she likes to do her business. Yeah, I don't know. But it it really is a little bit I mean, it's it I would say disheartening, but it's not even anymore. It's just comical now because it's happened to us so many times just over the course of the last couple of weeks where we think we're finishing a puzzle and like that one thousand piece puzzle and there are nine hundred and ninety two pieces. There are eight missing. But this but we could understand that because we had done those before. This was a brand new puzzle. So, um to do 999 of the pieces and still have one missing is just uh, just unbelievable. Well, uh, let me let me uh, read a, an early viewer mail before we get to viewer mail today because it's 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 a manifesto about puzzling that I find uh, spot on in so many ways and and really breaks down the way that you and I do puzzles. And this is from this is from Pete in Pacific Palisades, California, and Pete writes. I know a little bit about boastful puzzlers. Last week, you described me, or I described you as a boastful puzzler. Is that correct? I'm Remember? guessing I described you. You described me as that, that way. and I said that would be a good name for a pub. Uh, 
Pete knows a little bit about boastful puzzles because he was raised by a truly boastful puzzler, he writes, even a cocky puzzler. What Larry Bird was to trash talk my dad was to boastful puzzling. My dad was a really smart guy, and he grew up doing complicated jigsaw puzzles in the 1940s with his equally brainy brother, and as only competitive siblings could, they made puzzling into a cutthroat competition with rules. So here are the puzzling rules of Pete's dad and Pete's dad's brother. One, you can't touch a piece unless you know where it goes. We should Ooh. consider implementing that because that does drive us crazy. When you pick up a piece that I've already tried six different ways to, but and I know it doesn't work. Sometimes the only way to be certain that it doesn't go somewhere is to try it. Right. Well, you Ooh, I don't know if I can play by that you rule. You can't okay, touch a piece unless you know where it goes. No picking up and holding and hovering. Holding and hovering. Yeah, I agree. No, tr- you, you hold and hover. Oh, please. I'm you, not you a holder do. or a hoverer. You're both a we'll holder and a hoverer. Okay. Uh, no trying to see if it fits in two or three spots. You touch it. You're announcing to the other competitors that you know where it goes. And if it doesn't fit, you just miss the dunk, buddy. Grunts and tisk tisks of disapproval because of the second rule. The second rule is no talking. Puzzling is studying. Ooh, competitive study. I studying. love that rule. <laughs> competitive study. You don't talk in the college library, do you? Which leads to a very particular kind of boasting, nonverbal. You pick up the piece, you put it in its rightful place, and you punctuate scoring this point with two quick finger taps on the piece. Oh, you Does this do sound that. familiar? Yeah, that's kind of annoying. That's your that's your move. That's your move. That's oh, not please. my move. Okay. I do that if I do that, it's because I'm mocking you. Let, doing listen, that is your move. Listen to puzzling Pete in Pacific Palisades. He okay. writes he writes, the first tap says, That's correct. That's where the piece goes. The second quick tap to the practiced ear is a little louder. This is the equivalent of spiking the football in the end zone. And if there's a third tap, now you're rubbing it in. Amen, Pete. That is, that is, you've just described my wife's oh, puzzling please. technique Oh, you've got to be kidding me. First of all, are, are there more rules? Because I want to delve into this Well, no, he says, as more. for the boastful puzzler pub, six weeks ago, I would have said it would be a tough draw and might only work in certain snooty or college towns like Hanover, New Hampshire or Boulder. Hanover, New Hampshire, your brother's college town. But if these days... But if these days, I'd say you could probably open a chain with locations from coast to coast. As you mentioned, Rebecca, puzzles are sold out, and everybody's doing them. Uh, also, you said last week, writes Pete, it, it feels even sillier than usual to be doing a podcast, and I get that feeling, but this is the best uh, the podcast has been, and for me anyway, the most needed and appreciated. Thank you, Pete. So um, we will um, we will uh, keep it up, if only for uh, puzzle aficionados now, on the West Coast. Let's let's revisit this, because for the most part, You don't get on my nerves when we're puzzling together. Um, The only thing you do that I find slightly uncomfortable is... Trying to engage you in conversation? No. When you lean across, like I'll be... Say I'm working on the right side of the puzzle and you're working on the left side of the puzzle. You have the pieces on one side of the frame and I have other pieces on the other side of the frame. Right, right. so I'm I'm working on the right side. You're working on the left side and we've got some of the unused pieces all around. Instead of... Like walking behind me and there's plenty of room to look, to hunch over and to examine the pieces that are on my side. You lean right across me over the puzzle to 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 look at the pieces and completely in my way. I can no longer look at the puzzle. Or I'm violating your personal space. You're completely violating my personal space, but in a worse way because you're also obstructing my view of the puzzle. Like the etiquette is you get up and you go around the back side and... and find the pieces and the other thing my, my, my mistake when we got married low these many years ago I, I, I loathe to guess how many they were I thought there would be oh, gosh, some our anniversary is coming I up I would thought there, there would be some that's right in let's get each other a puzzle 11 days <laughs> I thought there would be some 
uh, a shrinkage of your personal space. And, and yet I was wrong. It has, only, it has only grown. The manifest destiny of your personal space has only expanded to, to include both sides of the table, all and of whatever. that dining room, and, and much of the house. Um, and now I've kind of lost my train well, of thought. The tra- there was a second point you were, you were going to make before I cut you off. Oh, oh, yeah. So when we first opened this, the second puzzle, thing that annoys me, that annoys you about <laughs> no, me. You, you tend to, me about you. you tend to do the edges of the puzzle, which I like. You know, you, you take, you get all the edges out and, um, I open the which box, is, I sort the edges. It's total yeah, grunt you sort work. The edges. It's, 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 it's not it really easy work. Illegal backbreaking summer intern work. Whatever. Somebody comes in. So you do edges. that. But then with the last puzzle, at least I went in there and I was just sorting them all by color and sorting them, you know, all in these different ways, which then allowed our our 13-year-old daughter and our 9-year-old daughter, they were able to start putting some of the stuff together because I'd sorted it. Well, sorting is the work. There's no fun in the sorting of the pieces. The fun comes when you put the pieces together. That's right. You You called yourself, you referred to yourself as the sorting hat the other day. Yes, I did. And I just wanted a little recognition, like as you were tap, tap, tapping the puzzle and you like to do the, the triple tap. If if you would at least acknowledge, oh, that was made much easier. My, it, I it do. Made it I much do. easier for me to put that piece in because I, you sorting. I appreciate the, sorted all the pieces. You're for in their me. trenches, separating the pieces, and 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 I appreciate that. And I've said that's the kind of recognition that you don't get. And I'm going to buy you a Rolex and 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 treat you to dinner like a quarterback does in that's his offensive line. Good heavens! So, um, take you to a steakhouse and buy you a Rolex. Okay. I mean, we don't because I am your lineman who yeah. whose whose personal space is getting bigger yes, and bigger. That's true. That is true. I am eating in your fact, space that fact, we have talked about fact, so much. I, I don't want podcast. to. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to impugn your your um, physical space during this this time. But you were at one point at the dining room table there, taking up two chairs. You had you you were <laughs> you were true. you had. I was I was in the middle of the table or in the middle of the puzzle. Instead of just moving the chair over, I was half on one chair and half on the other. You didn't approve of that. Well, I said you know we, we really need to get out and and and, and start uh, exercising. If you now require two if chairs, if I now require two chairs, oh. But but one one reason for that maybe because um, for the first time in forever as they say in frozen we've been eating dinner regularly all, every all single of us, night all yeah. however how many of us are here six all six of us every single night so much so that the armchair the arm of my captain's chair the head of the dinner table the i had the wooden same kind chair. of chair that my dad had at yeah. the dinner table where you feel like a like you've just called together the the uh, council of superheroes or something and and uh we were using it as a ladder, the chair, and as I dragged it back to the table, the arm broke off, and and it's still kind of dangling there. But whenever I lean to make a great point and and engage in conversation, my my elbow drops off the table, and I nearly stumble out of it. But the point is, we've been having regular dinners, and and usually at these dinners. In fact, the first night that we had it during quarantine, the kids say. Three minutes after sitting down, may I be excused? Or worse, can I be excused? Right. Or worse, just get up and bolt the table. And I said, no, sit back down. Let's talk about something. This is 1938. We're uh, listening to the radio, and let's talk about something. And, and somebody mentioned something about a dream they had. And then all the kids talked about the dreams they've had. Not, and the not nightmares dreams they've for life, had. But the, the actual dreams they have at night, yeah. And the nightmares. And not related to COVID, just throughout the years and we learn stuff and then 
each night now. They come to the dinner table eager to talk about dreams they've had, dreams their friends have had, make up dreams that they didn't actually have, and um, it's it's becoming a very Waltons-like experience. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, it is often ends up in arguments because I I was only. I only told two of my three well, dreams yeah. and then somebody else wants Everybody's to jump in and tell their dream. And, but, um, yes, it has been, uh, has been lovely. Finally, there was a note in the, in the Hartford current yesterday, excuse me, not a note, a, a story and a photograph of a playground, I think in New Britain, Connecticut, might've been Bristol. I, I can't remember, uh, a city park with basketball hoops, the backboards, just the backboards. And they've taken the rims down because they don't want young people congregating in public places and uh, apparently basketball courts have been we, we saw that a couple of times ourselves where a bunch of kids playing hoops um, earlier on in this quarantine and it's kind of uh, perverse that <laughs> a weekend or two ago we were alone Replace- on the basketball court and replaced nets. the nets I think we talked about it in the last podcast and now with an overturned rubber made brute and so they you put up a new net but they take down the entire rim and or backboard so it's a it's a uh, Sisyphean undertaking on our part. Yeah. The um, I was just thinking about this as I reach. I'm wearing a hoodie and I've got the the little pouch in the front of my sweatshirt and I reach in and I have my a, a Kleenex in there, and just small ways. Of course, there's large ways that everyone's behavior has changed over the course of the last few weeks. But small ways, like I use a Kleenex, and in the past I would just throw it away. And now, because I know there's a shortage of Kleenex, if I use a Kleenex and just like a little drippy nose, you know, you fold it and you put it in your pocket to use again later and then again later and again later, like as we're all just trying to. It's time to bring back you know, the, uh, the the handkerchief, the long, much more. My dad hand- still uses my a dad handkerchief. Used to, I know. He keeps it in his back pocket. It's just a white handkerchief. I remember when we were kids, he would, I, it's probably the, probably the same, you know, handkerchiefs that he's always had in his handkerchief collection pull it out theatrically blow your nose this was a staple of my childhood some grown-up would would pull a handkerchief out of his his usually his pocket yeah theatrically always his pocket. theatrically blow his bulbous nose kind of root around in there a little bit and then and then f- meticulously fold it like he's in the color guard fold of international yeah. and put it back in and, the, and the thing that you didn't think about as a kid and i'm sure wouldn't think about now is that he wasn't the one laundering that handkerchief. It was his wife. No, of course. Who was, you know, having to rinse this thing out and then throw it in the Examine washing machine. And, ugh, just gross. But, yeah, anyway, I've got... Though I'm sure you... I, I can probably make this one Kleenex last the whole day. <laughs> and I'm sure you found in the laundry plenty of Kleenex in, in pants pockets and stuff. Oh, yeah. I do. I have to go through all of our kids' pants pockets and yours or else the laundry will turn into a a mess of who knows what pens. You've had pe- it's been a while though since we've had a pen go through the, the right. laundry, um, but you've I'm been the cause better. of pens well, in the laundry, it, Kleenex yeah, uh, in let, the laundry. Let's be honest, it's been a while since I've had laundry. Yeah, that's true. I wore Although the same thing. I have to admit, I might have told you this. I'm not sure. I think I did. Two weeks ago, as I'm taking the clothes out of the laundry, I pull out a pair of earbuds. Not AirPods, but earbuds that you plug into the phone. But they were, you know, more recent vintage. And I was just thinking, which one of the kids left their earbuds in a pocket? And then they went through the washing machine. And I realized, oh, those are mine. But not only did they come out clean, they still work. So that's good news. Wow. And and, and it shows that even you, 
Even and I make mistakes on occasion. Make mistakes every every couple of years. Uh, shall we get to our voluminous viewer mail? Yeah, let's it's get to It's not terribly our vo- voluminous, and I think podcast listenership, understandably, is is significantly down. I'm not talking about ours. Though I'm sure that's true as well, but across the board because people aren't commuting. So um, I, I think I think let's still my, give our listeners their due. Let's get some let's viewer get, mail. Let's give them their due. Big bad book, throw our lure, with your viewer mail. This one comes from Steve, not me. Uh, Steve Olivas, actually. His email is, is to ballandchainpod at gmail.com. Is, the header is Prescription Jewelers Loop. I mentioned last week that mm. um, doing puzzles, it would help to have a, a jeweler's loop, and uh, that might become my next ocular affectation. So let's, let's uh, read this. Good day, Rebecca and Steve. I used that sub- sexy subject line to draw you in and not have this message get lost in the wash of thousands of cards and letters delivered by virtual mailbag each week. As your resident psychologist, and he is, I wanted to comment on a comment made in last week's show. You mentioned that the two of you would puzzle, verb, not noun, together before you had children. I assume this was literal and not a euphemism. <laughs> of all the activities with which you could have engaged, from G to R-rated, it puzzles me, pardon the pun, that a young and still googly-eyed couple would choose such an activity. Would choose such an activity. Perhaps you could have also added mall walking, aquasizing, and yelling at birds in the park, as these would have all been unbranded. Rebecca, you never age a day. You never age a day, writes Steve. If you begin life as an old soul, thanks for keeping the show going during quarantine, uh, Doctor Steve with a V. Steve hosts uh, the Commute podcast that um, that you and I were both guests on uh, from Nashville, right? Yes. But anyway, that's a great, uh, great point and a great. Well, email. and we talked about it. I don't know if it was last week or. I, another I was born time. thirty-five, as you've noted. <laughs> but. But when the you know the one time specifically that we were were talking about doing um, when we were working on the puzzle was when we were on vacation stuck in a hotel room with your brother torrential s- downpour your brother and sister it was a condo but yeah and t- two year old and yeah in a torrential downpour so we were puzzling but yeah we like we used to rollerblade we did um that's sort of I mean if it was roller skates that would be an older person activity we used to it? roller disco in Central Park yeah. I'd put on very short shorts <laughs> and like a mesh tank top. We, uh, and a boombox. We always we sort of were older souls. I, when you mentioned Central Park, we used to go to um, Tavern on the Green when everybody else there was to an do older like sort person. of tango. Watch, pe- old watch people, people dance. tangoing and in, in, in in, extremely dressed up. Yeah, cobalt blue yeah. pants. Yeah. That one um, and, and Natalie I, clad and, gentleman. And I had actually, uh, I would actually uh, kind of um, speculate or or admire. Uh, this is this is the old man that I want to be. I want to be that guy right there in the white pants, the white linen pants, and the and the you know. I mean, I'd have to go back in time and become like Argentinian or something. But right. uh, you know, bowling. And, what are some of the other um, kind well, of things that you think of as old people activities? I mean, that we played Scrabble. Yeah, we played. We did. We played a lot of Scrabble back in those days. Yeah, that that is just, a euphemism. Huh? But that is a euphemism. <laughs> I suppose. So the next uh, the next email is also headed Jewelers Loop, but it comes from my monocle dealer, George in Columbus. George, George writes, uh, did I hear you correctly, Steve, when you said you'd need to contact a jeweler to get a Jewelers Loop? Nonsense. Just to clarify, <laughs> your jeweler is someone you would call when you want to get a nice gift for Rebecca. And you remember, she doesn't like truffles. Your monocle- Thank you, George remembers. George writes, your monocle dealer 
is someone you should always call on when you are considering a new ophthalmic affectation. We just happen to have an extra flip-down loop in our office that I am sending your way. <laughs> sadly, sadly, no flip-down sun monocle yet. Stay safe and a happy puzzling, George and Columbus. Seriously, George. how and, delightful I mean, and wonderful I mean, is George? This is, is I unbelievable. Mean, I know. Really, what can we send him? Uh, we, we're going to send him us someday something. when we're in we Columbus. You ever go to Ohio something. State? You have to uh, do a, a an unsolicited and unwanted pop in to George's office. Um, and and I hate to say this because this is looking a gift horse in the jeweler's loop, but I saw, <laughs> I think it was Doctor Sanjay Gupta last night wearing a jeweler's loop. Some TV doctor. No, he was. They, they showed someone performing surgery with the shield and the, and the goggles, but also two what looked like double jeweler's loops coming off these glasses. I assume it's some kind of a surgical. Well, let's uh, just make sh- make this very clear, George. If there's a shortage, oh, no, 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 we don't. Those, of, we don't want any medical. Please make not. sure that no, 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 go no, no, to no, the no, doctors no, and, 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 and not to Steve. And, and please don't send send anything. You've been overly generous, but um, but I thought just when you think that there's. You've seen it all as as uh, you've seen every ophthalmic affectation, and of course, for a surgeon, it's not an affectation. Well, you, fortunately, you fortunately, tonight when we're on our Zoom meeting, I believe your sister is going to be on with us. She's an ER doctor. You can ask her specifically about those well, ocular well, things. I mean, our friend Kevin, we've been texting about. He's completed this puzzle. Uh, we've been going back and forth, sort of uh, intramural puzzle boasting, and. He showed me his his puzzling equipment, which was a pair of I think nine times reading glasses and a headlamp that right. he uses to do the puzzles. And now I want to I want to I want the jeweler's loop and the headlamp uh, in tandem because we have a headlamp, so I can do that. Right. And uh, we'll, we should be all set. Okay. The next uh, viewer mail comes from Bob. Bob writes, "Dear Rebecca and Steve, one on last week's show, you suggested that you didn't know how much longer you would continue the podcast given the current conditions. As a devoted listener and occasional viewer mailer, I'm asking that you continue as long as you're able. We listeners are like the castaways on Gilligan's Island, and you're like the radio. They're linked to civilization. If we're the link to civilization, I, I, I think right. we have we have been out. At least I have been out of the house less than less than anybody else. By the way, I'm trying to write in the style of Steve by coming up with that simile, writes Bob. Two, are you homeschooling your children during this time? Specifically, are you teaching them writing? I asked someone somewhat selfishly because I'm a fan of Russian literature and figure that more Russian writers would mean more entertainment for me. In fact, one of our kids told me the other day that she is kind of writing down her thoughts during this whole quarantine time. And um, and I think that's great because this is a, this is a God willing, a once-in-a-lifetime Experience. There was a headline today about, uh, you know, we haven't seen these conditions since World War II. A big difference, of course, being for, for us anyway, that our, our quote unquote sacrifice is sitting at home and watching TV. Right. Um, but, but yes, it, it, it's, um, I am encouraging the kids to write. Three, are you making sure that your children get recess? After all, that's an important part of any school day. As Exhibit A, I submit Steve's December 4th, 2006. Sports Illustrated column, Give the Kids a Break. Uh, that's my favorite thing you've ever written. That was a single page in the magazine that had nearly as many laughs as any chapter in Stingray Afternoons or Nights in White Castle. Thank you, Bob, in North Carolina. We appreciate it. Um, and, yes, the kids, it's been rainy here in Connecticut, but the kids, we've been, in some some of their cases, forcing them out of the house. In other cases, uh, you know. Well, when it's been nice, they are you went on a, begging you went, to go, go out there. I went you on, went a, on hike a hike yesterday with our yesterday nine-year-old. Yesterday with our nine-year-old, and she loved it. And, yes, there was a handful of people while we were hiking, but we stayed 
away from all of them and um but but i mean even when it's been rainy they figure out they were rollerblading around the house um they've found ways to stay active our son can't just sit still for too too long you know as he's doing his work he has to get up and he always finds a way to whether it's playing hallway hoops or whatever what was your brilliant idea the other day when you found a roll of painters oh i want to put down a a lane and a jump circle and a key and all that so in our foyer we have a carpet and you suggested we roll up the carpet get rid of that and, um, and get rid of it, well, move it away. The problem is that that circular it. carpet, and it's, it's the size of an on-deck circle, I call it the on-deck circle, is what our dog sits Lays on. on. Yeah, and but you wanted to use the painter's tape to put a key. Uh, I'm not still big enough, and the foyer's not big enough for a three-point line. It would be well, barely big enough for a miniature key. But it, it will be to scale. It'll just be smaller. Right, uh, right. Sean and Diana um, co-authored this this email, Sean and Diana in, in New Hampshire, uh, Steve and Rebecca, please tell me you follow Super 70s Sports on Twitter. I do indeed. I know Mr. Super 70s, Ricky Cobb in, in suburban Chicago, in Elmhurst, where I uh, was born. Today is a gem, a Band-Aid colored car with a vinyl roof, and she encloses a picture uh, that Super at Super 70s uh, Sports on Twitter tweeted, and it's a beautiful, almost even more than Band-Aid, I would say, butterscotch colored, uh, I don't know, man, what is this, a, a Coupe de Ville or something? And it's spectacular. It's out of a 70s Quinn Martin production detective show, like the streets of San Francisco. Also, Sean and Diana took this picture in Seattle back in November. It made my wife and me chuckle, and it is in Seattle, the old curiosity shop since 1899. Come on. Oddly, they also serve onion rings and mushrooms at this place. Send me the picture so I can post that as well. I'll send you the picture. And uh, Denny didn't send in a curiosity shop this week, but, um, but we have one nevertheless. Jeff, uh, Jeff, I believe, is our Hollywood correspondent in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Right, Steve and Rebecca, here's a little good news about Powell's Bookstore in Portland. We, we, mentioned we were worried it, that it might be closing. And, and it, that it's one of the great bookstores in the world. Even though the last, and there's a link to a story from, the, from uh, OregonLive.com. Even though the last thing I need is more books, I put in an order to help support them. Powell's has uh, hired back 100 workers to fulfill online orders, which is Terrific. great. We've good. got... Uh, We've got uh, independent bookstores here in Connecticut, uh, RJ Julia, who are doing the same thing. You can order books or puzzles. We'll be doing plenty of that. And uh, by the way, I have a 750-page book that I've, I'm 125 pages into now, Hilary Mantel's The Mirror and the Light. It's the third book in her Henry VIII, Thomas Cromwell trilogy, which the first two were spectacular. And uh, it's about Thomas Cromwell, the sort of uh, right-hand man to Henry VIII as he's beheading various wives and whatnot. And it's... it's. Uh, we should start a ball and chain book club during the quarantine. Ball and chain book club, Netflix club. Where we, we, where we don't have to all but, read the same but, thing. I just, no, I'm just no, interested yeah, in what people are... We can suggest to people, let's, let's all read this book. Well, and then you and I read right. it separately. And we don't talk about it until we come on the podcast. And then if people are at home or listening, they can join in as well. I, what I, do you I think? I, I have a constitutional genetic... Uh, you're opposed indisposition to, to having people tell me what to read and, and here I am t- I'm not telling anybody what to read I just I just like randomly okay. oh, this is what I'm going to read now but I'm interested in what other people are reading though because I, I enjoy hearing those recommendations I just don't need the peer pressure of reading what everybody else is reading does that make sense sure maybe that's why I'm not watching Tiger King perhaps but maybe, what are you watching isn't I'm Tiger watching... King based on a book why don't we just read that <laughs> I think it's a true crime documentary isn't it I have no idea I think so um I'm guessing it's not based and on And on Netflix, book. I've been watching uh, the Formula One documentary series, Drive to Survive, season two. I, I, I 
as I say, was never interested in Formula One for the most part, for most of my 52 years. And then um, this uh, documentary, season one, I watched, and it was it was really interesting to me. And speaking of Formula One, our resident Formula One fan, he's not just our, our staff OBGYN, but he's our, our uh, staff Formula One fan. I believe he was at the oh, right, F1 yeah. um, U.S. Grand Prix in Austin this year. Dr. Gary Siegel with two R's. He gets the last word this week, simply because that's the order in which these emails came in. And he sends a tweet from a radio host with um, a picture. It says, figure these would be good for about nine meals. And it's a 16-pack. I've never seen this in our stores, a 16-pack of White Castle, frozen White Castles. 16-pack? Eight. What do they normally two packs come in? wrapped for resale. They Eight normally pack? come. They normally normally come. Uh, the ones we get are six packs. This is a sixteen. And I usually pack? have to buy two to I feed wonder if our you, son. If you get them thrown in for free when you buy a ten pack of garden gloves. Well, the twenty pack of garden gloves and the forty thousand word puzzle and the eighteen pack of white castles. I think our our following week is is set for us. Just <laughs> don't you think? <laughs> our next seven days. Yes, I think you're right. Well. I think I think we've said said too much. We have, and uh, we just hope everyone's staying staying safe and smart. And uh, thank you for listening to this nonsense. Let us know how you're occupying your time. Yes, please we, let we us know talk. whether it's uh, at Ball and Chain Pod at Gmail dot com. Right? right, Ball and Chain We're Pod at, at Gmail. Ball and chain no, pod, just right? Ball and Chain Ball and Chain Pod at Gmail dot com or at Ball and Chain Pod on Twitter. Let us know how you're spending your time. Give us some ideas, and. Uh, and we'll say thank you to Denny Gallagher. Denny um, is in New Jersey, healthy. And New York, of course, has been hit harder than any place. And uh, we're thinking of everybody there, all of our friends there, Rebecca. Tom Dick Hari, please play us out. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fat. Road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pet live in this cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts your sanity. To a daily test Androgynous and vigorous What we give for a little rest Stay by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane